The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. The Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde. Chapter One. The studio was filled with a rich colour of roses. When the light summer wind stirred amidst the trees of the garden, there came from the open door the heavy scent of lilac, and the most delicate perfume of the pink flowering form. From the corner of the van of Persian saddlebags, which he was lying, smoking as was his custom, innumerable cigarettes, Lord, Henry Wanton could just catch a gleam of honey-sweet, honey-coloured blossoms of the halundrium, whose tremendous branches seemed hardly able to bear burdens of a beauty so flame-like as theirs. And now, and then, the fantastic shadows of birds in flight flitted across the long, tussock silk curtains. Was stretched in front of the huge window, producing a kind of momentary Japanese effect, making him think those plaided jade faced painters of Tokyo, who, through the medium of an art as a necessary mobile, seek to convey the sense of swiftness of motion, a sudden murmur of the bees soldering their way, the long unmowed grass, the circling, the mon. Notinous insistence round the dusty gilt, gilt horns, the staggering woodbine seemed to make the stillness more oppressive. The dim roar of London was like the bolden, the note of a distant organ. In the centre of the room, clamped to an, uh, to an upright easel, so the full length portrait of a young man with a strongly knee. Personal beauty in front of it. Some little distance away was sitting the artist himself, Basil Hallward, Lord, whose sudden disappearance some years ago caused at the time such public excitement and gave rise to so many strange conjectures. As the painter looked at the gracious and coming form he had so skilfully mirrored in his art, a smile of pleasure passed across his face. Seemed about to linger there, but he suddenly started up, closing eyes, placed his fingers upon the lids, as though he sought to imprison within his brain some curious dream which he feared he might awake. It is your best work, Basil, the best thing you've ever done, said Lord Henry languidly. You must consider sending it, send it next year to Grosvenor. The academy is too large and too well vulgar. Well, whenever I have gone there, there have been neither so many people that I have not been able to see the pictures, which was dreadful, or so many pictures have not been able to see the people, which was worse. Grosvenor is usually really the only place. I don't think I need I should send it anywhere, he answered, tossing his head back in the old way that used to make his friends laugh at him at Oxford. No, I won't send it anywhere. 
Lord Henry elevated his eyebrows and looked at him in amazement through the thin blue wreaths of smoke curled up in some such fancy walls from his heavy odium tainted cigarette. Not sent it anywhere? My dear fellow, why? Have you any reason? What odd chaps you painters are? You do everything in the world to gain a reputation. As soon as you have one, you seem to want to throw it away. It's silly of you. For there is only one thing in the world worse than being talked about, and has not been talked about. Portrait letters will send you far above all the young men in England, and make the old men quite jealous if our men are ever capable of any emotion. I know you laugh at me, he replied. I really can't exhibit it. I put too much of myself in it. Lord Henry stretched himself out on the van and laughed. Yes, I knew you would. It's cool. It's quite real, true, all the same. Too much of my, yourself in it. Upon my word, Basil, I don't know. You didn't know you were so vain. I really can't see any resemblance between you with your rugged, strong face and your coal black hair. This young Adonis, who looks as if he had made out of ivory and rose leaves. My dear, why, 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 my dear Basil, he's an narcissus. You will, of course. Well, of course, that, of course, you have an intellectual expression and all that, but beauty, real beauty, ends where an intellectual expression begins. Intellect is itself a mode. Exaggeration destroys the harmony of any face. A moment one sits down to think, one becomes all nose or all forehead or something horrid. Look at successful men in any learned professions. However hideous they are, except of course in a church. But in a church they don't think. Bishop keeps on saying at the age of eighteen. He is told to say when he was a boy of eighteen. As a natural consequence, he always looks absolutely delightful. A mysterious young friend whose name you have neither told me, but whose beautiful feature really fascinates me, never thinks. I feel quite sure that he is some brainless, beautiful creature who should be always here in winter when he have no flowers to look at, always have here in summer when he wants something of chill or intelligence. Don't flatter yourself, Basil. You're not at least like him. You don't understand me, Heron, answered the artist. Of course I'm not like him. I know that perfectly well. Indeed, I should be sorry to look like him. You shrug your shoulders. I'm telling you the truth. It's fatality about all the physical intelligent distinction, the sort of fatality that seems a dog through history the faltering steps of kings. It's better not to be different from one's fellows, the ugly and the stupid, are the best of it in this world. And you can sit at their ease and gape at the plain. They know nothing of victory. They are at least spared the knowledge of feet. They live as we all should live, undisturbed, indifferent, and quite and without disquiet. They never bring a ruin upon others, nor ever return it from alien, receive it from alien hands. You rank your wealth, Harry. My brains, such as they are, my art, whatever it may be worth. Dorian Gray's good looks. We shall all suffer for what the gods are given us suffer terribly. Dorian Gray, Gray, is that his name? said Lord Harry, walking with the tutor towards Basil. Colwood, 
Bored? Yes, that is his name. I don't intend to tell it to you. Didn't intend to tell it to you. But why not? Oh, I can't explain. When I like people immensely, immensely, never tell their names to anyone. It's like surrendering a part of them. I have grown to love secrecy. Seems to be the one thing that can make modern life mysterious and marvellous us. Commonest thing is delightful. One only hides it. When I leave town now, I never tell my people where I am going. If I did, I would lose all my pleasure. It is a silly habit, I dare say, but somehow seems to bring a great deal of romance into one's life. I suppose you think me awfully foolish about it. Not at all, answered Lord Henry. Not at all, my dear Basil. You seem to forget I am married, and the one charm of marriage is that it, only, it makes life a deception absolutely necessary for both parties. I never know where my wife is. My wife never knows what I'm doing. When we meet, we do meet occasionally when we dine out together or go down to the Duke's. We tell each other the most absurd stories with the most serious faces. My wife is very good at, at it. Much better, in fact, than I am. She never forget, gets confused over dates. I always do. And when she go, does find me out, she makes no row at all. I suppose sometimes wish she would, as she merely laughs at me. I hate the, hate the way you talk about your marriage life, Harry, said Basil. Hallward, bored, strolling towards the door, and led into the garden. I believe that you are really a very good husband, but you are thoroughly ashamed of your own virtues. You are a strongly fellow. Never, you'll never say a moral thing. You never do a wrong thing. Your criticism is simply a pose. Being natural is simply a pose, a most neutering pose. I know, cried Lord Henry, laughing. Two men went into the garden together. They sconded themselves on a long bamboo seat. They stood in the shade of a tall laurel bush. The sunlight slept over the polished leaves. And in the grass, white daisies were tremendous. After pause, Lord Henry pulled out his watch. I'm afraid I must go, Basil, he murmured. And before I go, I insist on your answering a question I put to you some time ago. What is it? What is that? said the painter, keeping his eyes fixed on the ground. You know quite well. I do not, Harry. Well, I will tell you what it is. I want you to explain to me why you didn't exhibit Dorian Gray's picture. I want the real reason. I told you the real reason. No, you did not. You said it was because there was too much of yourself in it. Now, that is childish. Harry said Basil Hallward, looking him straight in the face. Every portrait is painted with feeling. It's a portrait of the artist, not the sitter. The sitter is merely the accent of the occasion. It's not he who is revealed by the painter. Rather, the painter who, on coloured canvas, reveals himself. The reason I will not exhibit this picture is that I am afraid I have shown... In it, the secret of my own soul. But Henry laughed. And that, what is that? He asked. I will tell you, said Lord, said Hallward. But on an, an expression of prosperity covered, came over his face. I am all expectation, Basil, continued his companion, glancing at him. Oh, there is really little, very little tale, Harry, answered the painter. I'm afraid you will hardly understand it. Perhaps you will hardly believe it. Lord Henry smiled, and leaning down, plucked a pink petal daisy from the grass and examined it. 
I am quite sure I shall understand it. He replied, gazing intently at a little golden white feathered disc. As for believing things, I can believe anything, finding it is quite that is quite incredible. The wind shook some blossoms from the trees and heavy lilac balloons with clustering stars moved to and fro the languid air. Grasshopper began to chirrup by the wall, and like a blue thread of a long thin dragonfly floated past on a brown gauze wings that's brown gold wings. Ordinary felt as if he could hear Basil Hall Ward's heart beating and wondered what was coming. The story is simply this, said the painter after some time. Two months ago I went on a crush at Lord's Lady Brandon's. You know, we poor artists have to show ourselves to society at a time. Just to remind the public that we are not savages. With an evening coat and white tie, as you told me once, anybody, even a stockbroker, can gain a reputation of being civilised. Well, after being in the room, in ten, about ten minutes, talking to the huge, overdressed do-wages and tedious academic Londonians, I suddenly became conscious that someone was looking at me, turned halfway round and saw Dorian Gray. First time our eyes met, I felt that I was growing pale. A great sensation of terror came over me. I knew I had come face to face with someone whose mere personality was so fascinating. If I allowed it to do so, it was all my whole nature, my whole soul, my very art itself. I did not want any external influence in my life. You know yourself, Harry, how independent I am by nature. I have always been my own master, and at least always been so till met Dorian Gray. Then, I don't know how to explain it to you. Something seemed to tell me I was on the verge of a terrible crisis in my life. The strange thing that fate had in store for me, esquine joys and esquine sorrows. I fell, I grew afraid and turned to quit the room. It's not conscience that made me do so. It's a sort of cowardice. I would take no credit to myself for trying to escape. Conscience and cowardice are really the same things. Basil, cons- cons- conscience is a trade name for the, of the firm. That is all. The science. I don't believe that, Harry. I don't believe you do either. However, whatever was in my, my motive, it may have been pride, for I used to be very proud. I certainly struggled to the door. There, of course, I stumbled against Lady Brandon. You are not you're not going to run away so soon, Mr. Hallward, she screamed out. You knew, know her, her curiously shrill voice. Yes, he's a peacock in everything but beauty, said Lord Henry, pulling the daisy to bits with his long, nervous fingers. I could not get rid of her. She brought me up to royalties and the people with stars and garters and elderly ladies with giant tiaras and parrot noses spoke of me as if a dearest friend. I had only met her once before, but she took it in the head to ionize me. Please, some picture of mine made a great success at the time. Elise had been chatted about in the paper news, penny newspapers. This is 19th century standard of immorality. Or immortality. Immortality. 
Suddenly I found myself face to face with a young man. Percy has so strangely sturdy. It's quite close. We were quite close without touch, almost touching. I had been again, reckless of me, but I asked Lady Brandon, who introduced me, saying perhaps it was not so reckless after all, simply inevitable. We would speak spoken to each other without any introduction. I was sure of that. Dorian told me so afterwards. He too felt that we were destined to know. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Each other. And how did Lady Brandon describe this wonderful young man? Asked his companion. I knew she go, goes in for giving a rapid precis of all her guests. I remember bringing me up to the truncheant and red-faced old gentleman covered all over with older, olders and ribbons, and hissing into my ear a tragic whisper which must have been perfectly audible to everyone in a room most astounding details. I simply fled. I like to find out pe- people for myself. Lady Brandon treats her guests exactly as auctioner treats his goods. He even explains them in a tiny way or tells one everything about them except what one wants to know. Poor Lady Brandon. See, you are hard on her, Harry, said Hallward listlessly. My dear fellow, she tried to work to found a saloon. They see an opening restaurant. How could I admire her? But tell me, what did she say about Mr. Dorian Gray? Or something like, charming boy, poor dear mother, I absolutely, I absolutely several, quite forgot what he does, afraid. He doesn't do anything. Oh, he does play piano. Was it violin, dear Mr. Bray? Neither of us could help laughing. We became friends at once. Laughter's not all a bad beginning for a friendship. It's far the best ending for one, said the young lord, plucking another daisy. Hallward shook his head. You don't understand what friendship bids, Harry, he murmured, or what end to me is, for that matter. You like everyone. That is saying, you are indifferent to everyone. How horribly unjust of you, cried Lord Henry, tilting his hat back and looking up the little clouds like reveled skeons of the glossy white silk were drifting across the hallowed turquoise of summer sky. It's horribly unjust of you. I make a great difference between people. I choose my friends for their good looks, my acquaintances for their good characters, my enemies for their good intellects. A man cannot be too careful with the choice of his enemies. I have not not got one who is a fool. They are all men of some intellectual power. Constantly, they all appreciate me. Is that very vain of me? I think it's rather vain. I should think it was, Harry. According to my your category, I must be merely an acquaintance. My dear old Basil. You're more than an acquaintance. I'm much more less than a fr- friend. A sort of brother, I suppose. Oh, brothers, I don't care for brothers. My old brother didn't wouldn't die. My younger brothers never seemed to do anything else. Harry exclaimed, Hallward, it's frowning. 
My dear fellow, I'm not quite serious. I don't can't help detesting my relations. Perhaps it comes from the fact that some of us can stand other people having the same thoughts as ourselves. I'm quite sympathise with the rage of the English democracy against what they call the vices of the upper orders. Masses feel that drunkenness, stupidity, immorality should be their own special property. And if it, any one of us makes an ass of himself, poaching on their preserves, and poor self-walk got into the divorce court, their indignation was quite magnificent. Yet I am, don't suppose that 10% proletocrat live correctly. Don't, don't argue with a single word that you have said. And what, what is more, Harry, I feel sure you don't either. Lord Henry stroked his pointed brown beard and tapped the toe of patient leather boot with a tussled embry cane. How English you are, Basil. This is the second time you have made a conversation. Puts one forward to the idea of true Englishmen. Always a rash thing to do. Never dreams of considering whether the idea is wrong or right. The only thing considers of any importance is whether one believes it oneself. And if anyone near has nothing whatsoever to do with sincerity, man expresses it. Indeed, the probabilities are that more sincere the man, more purely intelligible. Will the, the idea be, in that case, it will be more be coloured by whatever he wants, his desires, prejudices. However, I do not propose to discuss politics, so, so, so sociology and metaphysics with you. I like pe- persons better than principles. I like persons no principles better than anything else. And well, tell me more about Mr. Dorian Gray. How often did you see him? Every day. I couldn't be happy if I didn't see him every day. It's absolutely necessary to me. How extraordinary. I thought you would never care for anything but your art. He is all my art to me now, said the painter gravely. I sometimes think, Harry, there are only two eras of any importance in the world's history. First, the appearance of a new medium for art. Second, is the appearance of a new personality for art also. What invention of oil painting was to the Venetians, the face of the Donatus was a link to the late Greek sculpture, face of Dorian Rain, will someday be to me, not merely that I paint for him, from him. I draw from him, sketch from him, of course. I've done all that. Be is much more than to me than a model or sitter. To tell, I can't, won't tell you that I am dissatisfied with what I have done to him, or that beauty is such that I cannot art, that art cannot express it. There's nothing that art cannot express. I know that the work I have done since I met Dorian Gray is good work. It's the best work of my life. But in some curious way, I wonder, you should understand me, the person who suggested to me, an entirely new manner of art, an entirely new model of style, see things differently, think of them differently. I now could never equate life in a way that was hidden from me before. Dream of forming days of thought. Who is it who says that I forget? But it, that is what Dorian Gray had been to me. Many visible presents of this lad. For he seems to be little more than the lad, though he is really over twenty. He merely visible presents. Ah, I wonder, can he realise all that that means? 
consciously defines me the lines of fresh school a school that so a school that is to have all its passions and magic spirit all the perfections of spirit that is greek harmony of soul and body not how much is it that, that is we are our madness have separated the two and invented a realism as vulgar and an identity as void harry if you only knew what dorian gray is to me you will remember that landscape mine which has skewed offered me such a huge price by which i would not part, part with it is one of the best things i've ever done and why is that so because while i was painting it dorian gray sat beside me some subtle influence passed from him to me for the first time in my life. So in the plain woodland, the wonder I always looked for and always miss. Basil, this is extraordinary. You must see Dorian Gray. Hallward got up from the seat and walked up and down the garden. After some time he came back, Harry, he said. Dorian Gray is to me simply motive in art. You must might see nothing in him. I see everything in him. He is never more present in my work and then no when no image of him is there his suggestion as i have said of a new manner i find him in the curves of certain lines in loveliness and servitudes of certain colours that is all then why won't you exhibit his portrait asked lord henry because without intending it i have put into it some expression of all this curious artistic idolatry which of course i never cared to speak to him he knows nothing about it he shall never know anything about it but the world might guess it and i will not bear my soul to their shallow prying eyes my heart shall never be put under the mic- their microscope it's too much of myself in the thing harry too much of myself poets are not too so scrupulous as you are they know how useful passion is for publication nowadays a broken heart will run to many editions I hate them for it, cried Holwood. An artist should create beautiful things, but should put nothing of his own but should put nothing of his own life into them. We live an age when men treat art if we're meant to be a form of autobiography. We have lost the first strict sense of beauty. Some day we'll show the world what it is. For that reason the world should never see my portrait of Dorian Gray. I think you're wrong, Bezel. I won't argue with you. It's only an incidental loss to a wild Belgium. Tell me, do I agree it was very fond of you? The painter considered for a few moments. He likes me, he answered well after pause. I know he likes me. Of course I flatter him dreadfully. I find a strange pleasure in saying things to him, but I know I shall be sorry for having said. As a rule, he's a charming to me. We sit in Australia and talk of a thousand things. Now and then, however, he's horribly faultless. Seems to take a real delight and give me pain. Then I feel, Harry, I've given away my whole soul to someone who treats as if it was a flower, put its coat as a sort of bit of decoration to charm his vanity, longment for summer's day. Days in summer, Basil, are apt to linger, murmured Lord Henry. Perhaps you will tire sooner than he will. It's a sad thing to work, think, Oh, but there's no doubt that that genius lasts longer than beauty. That accounts for the fact we all take such pains to overeducate ourselves in the wild struggle for existence. We have to. He want 
to have something that endures so we fill our minds with rubbish and facts you silly hope about keeping our place a thoroughly well-informed man that is his modern ideal the mind of a thoroughly well-informed man is a dreadful thing it's like a bric-a-brac shop all monsters and dust everything priced above its proper value i think you will tire first all the same some day you look back at your friend and he will seem to you to be a little out of drawing or you won't, won't like his tone of colour or something you will bitterly approach him with your own heart as soon as you think he would behave very badly to you next time he calls you'll be perfectly cold and indifferent it'll be a great pity for you for pity for i do all to you what you have told me is quite a romance a romance of arts one might call it worse than having a romance of any kind is that like Lee's one so romantic. harry don't talk like that as long as i live the person of dorian brain will dominate me you can't feel what i feel you change too often oh my dear basil that is exactly why i can feel it those who faithfully know only the trivial side of love a faithfulness who know love's tragedies a lord henry struck a light of dainty silver case and began to smoke with cigarette no conscious and satisfied air that he summed up the world in a phrase there's a rustle chirping barrows in a green liquor leaves of ivory and blue-coloured shadows chase themselves across the grass like swallows how pleasant it was for the garden how delightful other people's emotions were much more delightful than the ideas it seemed to him one's own soul and passions of one's friends those were the fascinating things in life. Pictured to himself a sonnet amusement, the tedious luncheon he missed by saying too so long with Basil Hallward. Bored, he had gone to his aunt's. He would have been sure he had met Lord Goodbody. Then the whole conversation being about feeding poor necessary model necessary model lodging building houses. Each case class would you know, preach the importance of their virtues for those exercises. There was no accessory in their own lives. The rich would have spoken a value of thrift and the idle, grown eloquent over the dignity of labour. It was charming to have escaped all that. As he thought of his aunt, an idea seemed to strike him. He turned to Holman and said, My dear fellow, I'm, I've just remembered. Remembered what, Harry? Where well, I heard the name of Dorian Gray. Where was it? asked Hallward, with a slight frown. Don't look so angry, Basil. It was my aunt, Lord Lady Agatha. She told me she had discovered a wonderful young man going to help me in the East, uh, Eastland End. The name of Dorian Gray, a bound estate she never told me is good looking. Women have no appreciation of good looks. At least good women have not. He said he was very earnest and had beautiful nature. I once pictured of myself a creature, beckled, lank hair, horribly fragrant, tramping, back on his huge feet. I wish I'd known it was your friend. I'm very glad you didn't, Harry. Why? I don't want you to meet him. You don't want me to meet him? No. Mr. Dorian Gray's in studio, sir. And the butler came to the garden. You must introduce me now, cried Lord Henry, not laughing. Painter turned his servant. He stood blinking in the sunlight. Ask Mr. Gray to wait, Parker. I shall be in a few, min- in a few moments. 
man bowed, bowed and went up the walk. Then he looked at Lord Henry. Dorian Gray is my best, dearest friend, he said. He is a simple, and he has a simple bit of nature. The aunt was quite right in what she said to him. Don't spoil him, don't try to influence him. The influence will be so bad, bad. The world is wide, there's many marvellous people in it. Don't take away from me. One person who gives my aunt whatever charm exists in my life. The artist depends on him. Mind, Harry, I trust you. He spoke very slowly. The words seemed to him run out of him, almost against his will. What a no- nonsense you talk, said Lord Henry, smiling and talk, taking Homer by the arm. He must led him into the house.